God's word that we'll give her attention to this evening comes from the prophet Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. We're going to read these verses responsively. I invite you to join in with the bolded sections. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. About the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. 
The sixth hour was noon. The ninth hour was 3 p.m. And so right there in the middle of the day, the sun suddenly stops giving its light here on earth. Some have said that it was probably a severe storm that darkened the sky that day. Others have suggested that it was a thick cloud of dust or sand in the upper atmosphere. But they're wrong. A mere overcast sky would hardly be worthy of mention in the account of the death of God's Son. No, what happens here is that nature itself is getting turned upside down or inside out. And the darkness was just the start of it. Earthquakes are not uncommon in that part of the world. But the one that shook the earth that day was so powerful and so violent that it split rocks in two. That such a powerful earthquake would open up some of the tombs in the area is not very surprising. But that the bodies that were contained in those tombs should come back to life? Well, that is. It seemed for just a moment that the whole universe had gotten out of whack. The words that we just read together from the prophet Isaiah explain to us why that was. Listen again to just a few verses that we'll focus in on tonight. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God created this world and ordered everything in it on the foundation of His powerful words. But the words that He speaks here, they seem completely jumbled. These words don't describe the way things are supposed to go. The grammar is clear, but everything just seems backwards. But what could you expect from words that are trying to describe this particular day? And what could you expect from words that are trying to describe this particular crucifixion? One that began with some of the most out-of-place words that were ever spoken. An innocent man prayed for the pardon of those who were murdering him. Father, forgive them, Jesus said. The whole day seemed to be in disarray. And thank God for that. Because out of that disarray, where everything seems backwards, comes the rock-solid foundation for our faith. 
the foundation on which our hope of salvation rests. Jesus' punishment is our peace. That's what Isaiah is explaining to us here. And as he does so, he doesn't pull any punches and he doesn't leave anyone out. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. It would be so much easier for us if somehow we could find a way to show that the problems, the hardships, the troubles that we face in life were not of our own making. We could try like Adam and Eve to say that we were just innocent victims of Satan or somebody else who led us astray. We were duped and deceived. Or we could say like so many in our world today do that We are only helpless victims of unavoidable circumstances. It's the system that's to blame, but not us. There are even some who blame God for their trouble. Their reasoning goes like this, since God is almighty and controls absolutely everything, then He must ultimately be the author also for the bad things that come into our lives. If only we could blame someone else. But the truth is, we are the sheep who love to wander. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. God has set a path before us. It's clearly marked out in His holy law. He has shown us in no uncertain terms the path that we are to follow in our lives in this world. So often we don't like that path. Or we think we know better. And so, time after time, we seek a way, we find a way, any way that's different from the one that God would have us follow. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Throughout this whole Lenten season, and again tonight as we reviewed a portion of the Passion history, we were reminded of the many wrongs that were done to Jesus, especially on this day. And we know that each one of us is guilty of similar offenses. Like those disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane that night, have there been times when we abandoned Jesus because staying with Him would have required more commitment and more trust than we could ever muster? Or like those arrogant Jewish leaders. Have there been times when we've scoffed at Jesus' authority in our life? Maybe not in the same blatant way that they did, but maybe just by simply disregarding His commandments. They don't apply to me. Or like that mob in Pilate's courtyard. Have there been times when we've been really quick to turn on Jesus? When He just doesn't seem to be doing for us the things that we think he ought to. Or times when, like Pilate himself, that we've been afraid to stand up for the truth that we know. Or maybe even times when we've questioned, is there anything such as truth in our world anymore? Has the mockery of those Roman soldiers 
found an echo in our hearts at times. When on one day of the week we gather and we praise and worship Jesus as this great King, but then we go about our lives as if those words were almost meaningless. How often have we been reluctant to offer honest, heartfelt confession for our sins? Because finally we just don't think that they're that big of a deal. We all like sheep gone astray. And we're not innocent victims. We chose this. And we can't argue that since we were born in sin, we had no choice in the matter. No, the truth is, we sin because we want to. And because of that, we've also chosen the punishments that Isaiah describes here. We should be carrying our own sorrows and infirmity. We should be stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. We should endure that just sentence that God's Word proclaims on account of our sins. The wages of sin is death. That's the way things are supposed to be. But on this upside-down Good Friday, when the sun goes dark at noon, God sees to it that things turn out differently for us. The wages of sin were paid in full, but not by the sinner, rather by the Holy Son of God. Nature was doing unheard of things that day because something unheard of was taking place before the judgment throne of God. The innocent one was suffering for the guilty. The Creator was dying for the sins of His creature. The Holy Son of God was shedding His blood to pay for the offenses that we committed against His own majesty. Again, that's not how it's supposed to be. The object of the punishment is supposed to be the sinner himself. Our common sense tells us that. And God's Word is crystal clear about that. In the days of Ezekiel the prophet, when the people of Israel were in captivity over in Babylon, they began crying out to God and complaining to Him that they were suffering, that they were dying because of the sins that their disobedient fathers had committed back in Judah. And God answered them in no uncertain terms and said, nobody is suffering and nobody is dying for any sins but their own. Through Ezekiel, God said, the soul who sins is the one who will die. That's the way things are supposed to be. But on this Good Friday, things were different. The innocent one died for the guilt. It wasn't the souls who sinned that perished, but rather that one who never sinned. Now think again to that horrible list that Isaiah provided of what our sins deserve. The sorrow and the infirmity. The piercing and the wound. 
how awful those things would be to bear for those who truly deserve them. How much more agony must they cause the soul of the one who never wandered and who never went astray. It was a burden so great that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he begged to be freed of it. He said, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It was an agony so dark and deep that on that cross on Good Friday, he cried out to his Father, why have you forsaken me? But of course, Jesus always knew the answer to that question. It was the gracious, loving will of the Father for us. That's why. And Jesus shared that perfectly. It was also His desire in His will to bring us peace, to bring us healing by the torment that He endured on the cross. It was the only way for our sins to be paid for. The only way for our guilt to be removed. The only way that we could be spared from the punishment that we deserve. We should have received that condemnation of eternal death. But instead, thanks to Jesus, we received the promise of eternal life. And so as Isaiah said, something unheard of became possible. His punishment became our peace. At the cross, God's justice could be on full display. The full condemnation for every sin could be meted out in all its severity. And at the very same time, the full heart of God's love and mercy could be on display. As He spared us sinners, forgave us, promised us life. Father, forgive them was Jesus' prayer for us as well. And He bought the answer to that prayer with His own blood. That all of us should wander and go astray, that was sadly too predictable. But that the Holy Son of God should pay the price for all of it, it's no wonder that all of nature was out of whack that day. With such a momentous upheaval taking place in the courtroom of God, how could there not be any sign of it here on earth? How could the rocks not shake and split? How could the tombs not give up their dead that day? How could the sun just continue to shine in this world as if nothing of consequence was happening? And how can we ever walk away from this cross unchanged? As if it's just another day. And you see, when the Holy Son of God, the one that God dearly loves, when He offers up Himself and pleads for our forgiveness there, and when we echo that prayer, when we plead for God's mercy on the basis of the innocent suffering and death of Jesus, how can our loving Father in heaven ever refuse us? He can't. And He won't. The verses that stand at the center of our text tonight, they say it all. 
These words once shook the world. And now these words have opened the kingdom of heaven for all of us. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.